This one's going to be, uh, I guess, a bit more serious, I guess, in tone. I don't, I don't know. Normally, these are really jovial and whatever, but uh, this is a big talking point that's come up in this one, so I guess I'm going to have to address it. So, yeah. So, the title of today's show is uh, Accused NXT Star Returns, and I will be addressing that first. If you don't want to listen to that, then you can, uh, I guess, tune back in in about 15 minutes, and I'll be doing a proper review of the show. Uh, but first, I'm going to be talking about, I guess, Velveteen Dream, how bloody complicated this is. And I know there'll be a varying just degree of emotions towards all this. And I understand that not everybody... Well, not one, not everybody's going to be comfortable enough to just talk about it, hence to skip forward. And B, some people just don't want to hear about it anymore in terms of... Be it in terms of like what I was just talking about, like just the anxiety to talk about such a thing, or even just having no emotion towards it and being not thinking it's an issue. You can skip forward 15 minutes if that is the case for you. Awesome, but um, but now to do a little bit of a proper intro before I get into that bit. Uh, hello and welcome to the LOP Radio NXT Review. My name is Matt Mayer, aka Imp, and we are live here on YouTube and also available in podcast form. No, the audio did not glitch out, my throat did. <laughs> That's a great start of the show. Uh, links in the description, uh, or head over to WrestlingHeadlines.net for your latest wrestling news. Also, to heed of warning, I did, I did everything for my laptop before I go live, as I said before in terms of lockdown situation and everything. Country's opening up a lot more currently, so maybe it might fix itself relatively soon, but I'm not in the best circumstance, and I'm doing this live off of my laptop, and I bloody restarted it hours ago, and now it's telling me it's got another update to restart it. So fingers crossed nothing happens. <laughs> Let's see how this goes. Uh, but hopefully I'll get through the first bit first, and but like by the 15-minute mark, and then can go through the show in order and if it bloody restarts itself at least do it after the 15 minute mark so yeah so anyway so before we um like when i went to bed last night because i'm english so i didn't know who the mystery opponent was when i woke up this morning uh, i've seen all the hype and everything and the promotion i was like who's it going to be i wasn't for some reason i wasn't expecting the match to main event i think the past couple of weeks the nxt qualifier has not main, main evented the show and I think my assumption was it would be the same. Like, it wouldn't main event the show, but it would uh, be featured kind of there. I, I was completely wrong, main event of the show. Uh, but the mystery opponent was what everybody was talking about when I woke up. And normally, uh, normal, like, normally a sign would be the amount of DMs I see on my phone. And there's quite a few things to work through. And I just assumed they were not related to NXT, because they not normally are. <laughs> like, um, there's like one or two people that talk to me about NXT. So, like, when I get a load, I'm just not expecting them to be on that topic. But, no, like, my feed as well was... As in, not my personal feed, as in my actual veto view of all the people I follow. Uh, timeline, that's the word. I... I got this, it doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, when I saw that, all anybody was talking about was Velveteen Dream. Who had returned as the mystery opponent. And I did not see one positive tweet about it. And I, like, kind of purposely got, like, a wide array of opinions that uh, because I'm kind of I don't know if it is because I'm kind of disconnected where WWE are not my number one they're not in my country so I get a nice variety of opinions as well people all over the world to be fair that's what Laws of Pain is as well 
If you look at where the writers that you see for the economists, where you look at where each individual one is from, like we scatter all over the place. Like you've got British people like me over here in Europe, you've got Australians, South Africans, Americans, uh, Canadians. <laughs> we've got it's quite an, awa- an array of uh, people. I'm going off topic. Um, my point being, I saw a wide array of opinions from a wide array of people, and not one of them positive, which is not a great sign, especially as they double taped this week and next week, meaning that Velveteen Dream will be on next week's show and there's no real time to course correct. And a lot of the kind of big issue with it, especially if you somehow missed what the issue is, I guess it's just a quick recap, uh, Velveteen Dream was one of the names that was in the muddle during the speaking out movement. He was uh, accused of um, naughty, I guess. <laughs> that, that kind of makes it sound a bit jovial, but it's it's not really. Sending pictures and images of himself that he should not to girls under age, which, um, massive no-no, if true, obviously. And all we can say is we saw the pictures uploaded onto the internet, um... Or we can, or, and we don't. We assume there's been a investigation, like properly looked into, but we don't know that. We just assume that's true. And being how bloody seriously WWE sponsors, for example, um, would take this sort of thing, you could assume that this is one of the few things where WWE would have properly looked into it. Of course, they've got a history of not doing that with other things. But for some reason, to me, this feels like the, the level of thing where I'm like, surely they looked into it. Because if it comes out that it is true and they didn't investigate or they let him back in anyway, that is so bad. It is absolutely insane. As in just to think of the consequences of that, um... I think there'll be a few that could cause a, f- a few things that could cause a massive ripple with four companies like WWE. For me, this that is one of them. Uh, in this day and age, after all of the movements, after a whole, the massive cultural and societal shift, to then keep a somebody who was a paedophile to there goes the monetization, but kind of who cares with to keep them on the paycheck or to not investigate such a serious claim. One of the two. For me, like that is that the consequences of that should be astronomical. The amount of sponsors that would leave, the amount of money you would lose as a company, would be incredible. Uh, I'm not talking about the fans, like the like one-on-one kind of things, because WWE makes so much money. I don't know if but the bad will towards the fans would be the initial kind of charge, and maybe that would help uh, push the sponsors away. But like the damage would be astronomical, no matter how it happens, the damage would be astronomical. So I'm watching this with a massive assumption that he was cleared. However, there has it's been radio silence. There's been absolutely nothing. He was accused around the time he had his match with Adam Cole. That match happened. Disappeared for two months as the kind of speaking out movement kicked up. And then we didn't see him for two months. And then he returns after radio silence. After no statements. After nothing. WWE have fired other wrestlers. We've seen, like with Matt Riddle, more public kind of... Um, lawyer fueled retorts but fueled's not the right word aided aided retorts I guess to kind of get his name um I can't think of the bloody word. To, yeah to get yeah to get his name dispelled of the rumours. And we've not seen anything from Velveteen Dream. 
just pure radio silence, and then suddenly he's back. But he's not hyped back, which is another part of it. Like in terms of, I guess, consumer trust in a way, it's a guy who disappeared in the middle of a, like a massive speaking out movement as the industry was kind of cleansing itself, and his accusation was particularly bad. I've not heard anything since his accusations. He's gone. It's been radio silence, and then you bring him back via a mystery opponent angle. And I can see why some people would be angered by that, because there might be viewers who wouldn't have watched his segment if they would have known he's in it, given the level of accusations against him, and there's been nothing since. And uh, with... and I can understand why people would feel uncomfortable. Uh, for me, I was able to enjoy the match, but that presence was there. It was like somebody watching over me as I was watching it, kind of feeling. This is like I can, I'm able to enjoy it, but I don't I wouldn't say I'm watching it feeling totally comfortable. If that makes sense. And it's, I guess, for for the uh, I guess those those people who weren't comfortable watching it, the worst part of it is it might feel like you were tricked into doing so, as in it was a mystery opponent, you brought, get brought in with the hype of that, and then, oh, it's him. And you kind of feel tricked by the company for that, as in, is there a reason they didn't hype him ahead of time? Were they fully aware people might not tune in if they hype him ahead of time? That's why they did this. Um, they've turned him heel, which also feels conscious. <laughs> as in, he, like, after the match, he just went full-on at Kushida after not winning. They didn't give him the win. They turned him heel. It's, it's just like little inklings like they know something that he can't be faced anymore. People are not going to cheer him. And it's, it's just little self-aware things that just kind of irk you a bit. It's like, hmm. And the main thing is, it feels too soon. Espe again, especially as it's been radio silence. As the level of, um, I guess, shift this is for the wrestling industry to just bring him back and do it in a mystery opponent angle, not hyped, and he show kind of self-aware things, like you're turning him heel because he's not going to get cheered by crowds anymore. You're not having him win, so it doesn't look like you're pushing him too hard. You don't announce him ahead of time. It's a mystery opponent. It's a lot of little things that are a bit concerning. In the way that they did it, it makes me feel like they are fully aware of what the, like, the reception might not be totally clean. Um... But the reasoning is, like when I'm watching it, it feels too soon. It does. It, it doesn't feel like it's been that long of a gap between these massive accusations. Then he disappears, and now he's just back with nothing. Like that. That doesn't feel great. I mean, it does not feel great. And it's a. It's a shame because the match was fantastic. I absolutely loved it. Like, I'll get into like the, once I get to that and Marco was talking about. I'll go through them. Actually, no. Should I go through the match beforehand so don't, people don't have to? People who have skipped to the 15 minute mark don't have to hear the match. Maybe that's better. So I get through it. So I will go through the match now. Then change my mind. <laughs> I was going to leave it till later. Then I just thought, well, I've said I'll be talking about the serious thing, but this, does this count as a serious thing? Not entirely sure. My point being, <laughs> just kind of uh, whip it back a bit. I fully understand people who are totally uncomfortable with this, and. What I want to just ask is for nobody to go off at those people, especially with the thing... The line I've seen a lot is the innocent till proven guilty. 
And for me, you can bring up that line, but that doesn't change the fact that it still feels too soon to bring him back in the manner they did with the little self-conscious little tropes that were thrown in there. Like, it didn't feel comfortable to watch, even though it was a great match. There was still that that shadow over... Just, that shadow overshadowing. That's awful writing. <laughs> but actually, it was overshadowing the entire thing. And then I go online, there was so much craziness that happened in this episode of NXT, but nobody was talking about it. All that was being talked about was Velveteen Dream. And that says a lot. That says quite a bit that there, that how much he overshadowed the rest of the show. Because the rest of the show was great. Um... As the day went on, you see the odd other tweets trickle in, because it was that kind of counter to the one thing being talked about is, well, there were some great things on it. Uh, but still, it's a shame that it overshadowed the show. And it wasn't really needed, especially in this era where NXT feels like it's doing things to maybe try and boost their USA rating, whether AEW influenced or not. Uh, again, I'm somebody who would love there to be competition, because <laughs> then as a consumer, I win. So, I don't understand the negative reasons. I mean, for, oh, it's, it's just from WWE, it's PR speak. Like, for me, they, they are in competition because it's the wrestling viewership split, so they want as big as they can get. Um, but you've seen the odd things happening. And hello in the chat. Uh, I see the odd thing happening. And, uh, so kind of, uh, to boost the ratings, maybe. And Velveteen Dream Returning is the latest thing. And it's a shame, really. Like, a massive shame that it's the latest thing. Um, it overshadowed the rest of the show it was all pe people were talking about when I went online and that lasted most of the morning if not till the American morning had finished which would have been about uh, about 5pm for me so like most of my day <laughs> I've seen very similar tweets just pop up over the course of time and uh, it kind of it sucks that that happened but again the main important thing really is this felt way too soon even though it also felt like they were conscious of what they were doing, so they weren't overbooking him, they weren't overpushing him, they were kind of presenting him as returning, but they were also self-aware that the audience weren't going to take to him. Like they in some way knew. Or, they, or the likelihood is when he returned they would have to do this anyway, but I feel like now it feels too soon, like to do it right now. And you saw the reception, it was not received well. And I wouldn't be surprised if after... This next week, because they filmed both this week's NXT and next week's NXT like in this block. So Velveteen's Dream against Finn Balor next week has been recorded. But it's not... Uh, so they can't change it. But it's not certain what will happen after TakeOver 30. How heavily featured will Velveteen Dream be, given the reception here? The overwhelmingly negative reception uh, to bringing him back at this point. And it's in the way they did it, where it was a mystery opponent, did not hide him ahead of time. So people who would have felt uncomfortable watching him weren't able to avoid it until he was out there. I mean, you hear his music playing, so you could turn it off then. <laughs> but if you invested in the show, invested in the North American Championship qualifiers, then he's a mystery opponent, you get hyped up, and then he walks out. I can understand it. Uh, anyway, I've hit the 15-minute mark, so I'm going to have to cut this off. As I said, 15 minutes on it. Um... I feel like I've got my points across and I could go on for ages. I have got a show to get through, which is mostly the reason for it. Um, as I said, uh, to the people over there who have maybe returned after I said at the start, you can jump to the 15-minute mark if you don't want to have to, li again, listen to the difficult... It's a difficult topic to get through with the speaking out stuff. But anyway, I'm going to go through the match now and then I'll go through the card in order. 
Uh, so, so starting with the main event, which was the North American Championship qualifier, Kushida, Cameron Grimes and Velveteen Dream. Kushida put on the performance of a lifetime in this. He was amazing. Cameron Grimes is getting more and more featured. Uh, I get, uh, when I say I'm becoming a fan of him in NXT, what I mean is I'm, I've more and more and more kind of gotten into the Cameron Grimes character. Like, Cameron Grimes! <laughs> Uh, uh, it's one of the few accents British people can do. <laughs> one of the few American accents British people can do is like, the over-the-top prison warden. <laughs> it's just essentially it's a, like the southern, southern boy. <laughs> that's, there's very few we can do. But cartoon southern man. <laughs> we can do that one. Um, but when I say I've been getting into him, I was a fan of his before WWE. So I know... I, I've watched him in matches I've really, really enjoyed. Had an amazing match against the now Joaquin Wilde. Uh, in TNA, like that was a, or was it Impact? It was in that bridge where they were having so many name changes, I can't remember what the company was called when they had their amazing matches in the X Division, but yeah, those are great. His matches in PWG are great. He has so many on the indie scene. He got signed to WWE for a reason. <laughs> he, uh, um, but finally seeing that in NXT, like he's, I, I wasn't, I was a bit scared he might be a bit dulled down to these are kind of your sets and your moves and things, but he's really winning me over as of late with his kind of more featured push. And yeah, I'm starting. I'm starting to get into him. He's not a main event guy, <laughs> but I'm buying him more and more. And him getting the win here, like personally, after Kushida put on that performance, like you're behind Kushida. They've done your job. They've got you behind Kushida. Uh, again, another self-aware thing in a way. Velveteen Dream never even tried to be the babyface. He was kind of the name, the start, the biggest name that was there. And then you had your clear face and clear heel. It was like yes, a massive character in Velveteen Dream. Then. Kushida and Grimes, clear face and heel, and Kushida did an amazing job because you really did. I really did want him to win. Like that, I, I did not go into the show knowing who won. All I knew is it wasn't Velveteen Dream. I didn't know if it was Kushida or Cameron Grimes. And watching the thing, I was like, Kushida's got a fire lit under him. Surely it's him. Uh, but no, uh, a massive swerve of Cameron Grimes picking up the win in the end in heelish fashion of picking up the scraps as well. Or I say picking up the scraps is a great kind of um, Velveteen Dream and Kushida wrestling each other he jumps in with a double stomp and that's how he gets the win uh, which I thought again just great just opportunistic as well he's not just picking up scraps he creates his own opportunities which I'm, it makes the heel look smart it's not just cowardly heel <laughs> which you see way too often on the main roster uh, for me it's just like repeated traits to get a bit annoyed with on the main roster like every character uh, there's so many characters that kind of exhibit the same traits and that kind of irritates me a bit um compared to an NXT where they feel like genuine characters who they get fleshed out over time and figured out and I feel like Cameron Grimes' character has been starting to be really figured out during these last few weeks and it's been great to see. Um, but the match itself it was a it was fast paced with all three men able to go quick as hell. Uh, another great example of utilising all three men at once to really make the match feel chaotic. I praised it last week, I complained about it the week before. Uh, it's great, I've, that's how I, my triple threat are as long as you are constantly using the fact that it is a triple threat and it feels chaotic and you're using all three men in some capacity, I'm going to enjoy it. If you have two men in the ring, one on the outside, and you keep going until the one on the outside is ready to swap and then you do. I'm not going to enjoy that triple threat. You're going to have to really do something to get me into that, 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 kind, of, that kind of formula. I'm really not a fan of that formula. But with all three at once and using that dynamic, that this match did that really well. Like a awesome spot with uh, Dream struggling to get in the ring. Uh, Kushida bounced off him. Uh, I think he like, hamstringed. Uh, he hamstringed off him, which meant that he kicked him in the head and off the apron he went. Then he springboarded off that into Grimes, 
then dove through the ro ropes into a devastating looking spinning DDT spiking Velveteen Dream on the outside. Like Again, Kushida had to file it under him. Turns out it's because he's not winning. <laughs> so he's bloody getting over here. Uh, Velveteen Dream was the like largest man there, but the big and the biggest WWE like name. But it was almost like Kushida was the most dangerous competitor who was running the show, uh, especially up to the break. And uh, after the break, the match was so damn incredibly quick, uh, somehow incredibly fast as the uh, increasingly fast as the match went on, like Dream countering Kushida and hitting a Dream Valley driver. Um, but he can't even cover him before Grimes is there to try and steal the pin, who doesn't even get one count before Dreams dragged him to the outside. Like, uh, with those two then eating a corner top dive from, a, from the former IWGP junior champion soon after. And my mouth was not prepared to say initials then. <laughs> oh, going from from the former. Oh, I don't like it. I said it again. From the former. Don't like it. <laughs> Uh, anyway, the end came with Kushida locking the hoverboard lock on both men. At first, a top rope scissors flipping Grimes into a hold, which I've seen so many times, still awesome. Then Dream flying in with the elbow also got caught. Uh, and quick and awesome transition from Dream hoisting the Japanese man up onto his shoulders. Um, Grimes is there with the double stomp. Steals the win and uh, slides away. <laughs> like, come on, Grimes! <laughs> and off he goes. Uh, yeah. And yeah, it's, for me, the I think even though I was cheering for Kushida, they did an amazing job of making me want Kushida to win. Even though they did, they did that, Cameron Grimes winning, as soon as it happened, I was like, this fits what I was praising the ladder match for being in the first place. Because uh, I was praising the ladder match for featuring guys who haven't had that big breaking moment really amongst the wrestling fan base. And like this is their kind of moment. That this this ladder match feels like it's going to make so many names, kind of like the original did to the WWE, like the bigger, wider WWE audience. Kushida has the massive difference of being one of those massive New Japan names that he brought in, having been the ace of the junior division. He wasn't a small like, small name leaving New Japan. He he was a massive deal leaving New Japan. Like he got his final match against Hiroshi Tanahashi. Like, that was his final match. Like, that's the one he wanted. Just to kind of prove a point. Um, if you don't know, Hiroshi chose that. Hanahashi was essentially the John Cena. Just to kind of make a quick comparison so I can quickly move on. And <laughs> not go to too much context. Um, and he got his final match to be that level of opponent. Which tells you how highly valued and rated he was. And for him um, to go here. It's like, yeah, for, if he was to qualify in the ladder match, he's not had his WWE moment. So that's why I, I can abort it. But when Cameron Grimes won, it's like, well, he's not had his wrestling fan base moment. And I feel like he, in terms of the like what the other kind of competitors in the match are like in terms of level of perception, I feel like he fits that match better than Kushida does. Plus, Kushida in a ladder match, that's not why like, I want to see Kushida in WWE. I can see him in multiple different uh, kind of places, but in a ladder match doesn't really feel like, like yeah it's like when they brought back Shinsuke Nakamura would you put him in the ladder match in the North American Championship ladder match like, no that's weird isn't it mm. uh, after the match uh, Dream turns heel attacking Kushida which I kind of already talked about um, just saying that the crowds aren't going to cheer for him so they've seemingly semi-self-consciously turned him heel uh, after posing in the corner he turns around to be met by Finn Balor the man who is now his opponent for next week in the second chance qualifier qualifier matchup, 
because there's two... Uh, before we get to the actual second chance qualifier, there's two second chance qualifier qualifiers <laughs> that are taking place next week. Uh, Johnny Gargano versus Ridge Holland and... Um, Finn Balor vs. Velton Dream. I literally talked about that. That's the one I forgot. <laughs> That's the one I was just talking about. And uh, they're taking place next week. And like, one of the big reasons that like, we know next week's show is recorded is it was put out there that uh, Johnny Gargano suffered a very scary-looking spot, uh, apparently landing on his head. And both Triple H and Shawn Michaels running out for real because they were like concerned and they stopped the recording. And Johnny Gargano is fine. Don't know if they will just edit that bit out or if we will see a certain thing where it's like, oh, that looks bad. And then we just continue with the match that you don't see everybody run out they do a seamless cut you don't again yeah I didn't notice it with Kyrie Sane for example so I trust that WWE are perfectly fine to edit that thing and I don't need to criticise them that much so yeah but that was the main event unfortunately massively overshadowed by an accused NXT star returning after two months of radio silence and returning as a mystery opponent uh, I've already covered it uh I could go on about it more. If you, if you, again, if you, anyone wants to talk to me about any of the topics, you can hit me up on Twitter at the damn Infocat. I'll, I try and be in the comment sections as well, be it here on YouTube, be it uh, on the Laws of Pain site as well. Um, yeah, if you want to go into any of the matches or topics, I'm perfectly happy to go into them if I remember to comment. Uh, anyway, so I'm going to go through the card in order now, but because it is the summer and it is an extraordinarily hot for Britain over here. That was me having a drink of water, podcast listeners. Uh, I, uh, for over here in the UK, like 20 degree nights, that's really hot to us. <laughs> like 18 or 19. Like for us, that's like, oh, bloody hell, isn't it hot? <laughs> yes, Brian, it's so hot. <laughs> I don't know who these characters are. Uh, yeah, it's, um, yeah, so I'm in my water because I'm starting to sweat. I am also next to a big bright light. And as I said on the Moonlight Raw review, that's probably the bigger factor. <laughs> is I'm next to a massive light in the middle of summer. That probably doesn't help. Anyway, let's go through the card. Uh, first up was Karrion Cross versus Danny Birch. Really bought the entrance this week. I don't know why. Some some weeks I'm not feeling the Karrion Cross entrance. Well, it's it's a it's a mixture. I'm either not feeling it or I'm really feeling it. <laughs> I don't think I've ever had that from an entrance before. Where I'm either watching it thinking, oh, it's fine. Oh, the, lip, the singing along is a bit weird. Or it's like this week where I'm like, oh, this is awesome. This is amazing. <laughs> I've never had such a variance in the same entrance. <laughs> don't ask why. I don't understand why it's a thing, but it just is. Anyway, so he was facing Danny Birch, the man he choked out last week. But you don't choke out Danny Birch without facing some consequences. Uh, this match, uh, bold lads doing bold lad wrestling. Uh, Birch, I don't know why I said his name so weirdly. Birch calls to have his the bell rung as soon as he gets into the ring. Uh, an unfortunate turn of phrase, given how the match went. Uh, Danny going after Cross and maybe surprisingly getting in quite a fair amount of offence. Uh, seemingly consistently, oh, sorry, constantly bouncing back. Which is, give a great kind of tweak to Karrion Cross because he's not the fiend indestructible. We got to see him take offence, we got to see him, like, I guess, wince in pain, stumble back. He just fought through it. It's like he's not invincible, he's just able to fight through pain in like with an astounding amount of perseverance. And like yeah, there's something about that which I would like way, way more. <laughs> just all the all the praise in the world for that one. Uh, but that kind of uh, costly bouncing back nature for Danny Birch didn't last forever. Uh, one doomsday Saito pretty much had all that momentum sucked out of him. Uh, Birch attempted another swing, but with nothing left in the tank. 
Cross soon had him locked in his sleeper and choked the Englishman out for the win. Karrion Cross looking dominant, and we got shown he is human, which is quite important, again, for when he faces Keith Lee. So it's not a sudden super-dominant guy is then having a normal matchup. It's You've seen the fact that he, he can be knocked back, at least. He might not be defeated, but he can be knocked back. He's not invincible. Uh, after the match, Keith Lee comes out. This is the interesting bit. <laughs> so with a contract in his hand, uh, Lee says that uh, he, was prom- he has promised to Regal that he won't touch Cross until TakeOver. Um, Regal's caveat being that if that will get the match... That's what he's willing to do. Uh, Lee's signature is on it already. All that is needed was Cross's ass to sign it, or something like that. He said ass. <laughs> uh, the two seemingly oblige in the Scarlet Bordeaux and carrying Cross. Uh, you see Cross visibly signing. Then Scarlet gives it a kiss and then stares really weirdly for an awkward amount of time. <laughs> just at the ring apron, kisses it, then slowly hands it over while just staring <laughs> it's like hmm okay uh, then we get a unique low down close camera shot as Keith opens the contract to check and tiny fire <laughs> out uh, with the audio sample of a massive flame bursting <laughs> over this is um, I guess magic trick level of fire like <laughs> but it's like a boom and they play it off super seriously as well uh, yeah, the medics run out, <laughs> and uh, there's no commentary as they play this off as super serious. Uh, Lee shouting, where's Cross, damn it, whilst holding his face. Uh, it's only been a few weeks with the main roster writers, but the bollocks is, finally, is officially here. <laughs> the main roster bollocks has come to NXT uh, with the fireball. Again, so, in terms of giving uh, a reason for Keith Lee to be really, uh, like, uh, I guess angry is not selling it enough but in like did he's go to go at carrying cross he cannot he, he's wanting to charge at him he just can't physically do it because of the fireball in his face and um, i guess overselling the size of it <laughs> again um but yeah it's i don't know what that means for the characters though of, of carrying cross or scarlet bordeaux my assumption might be nothing but was carrying so a was it carrying cross? Not in. It wasn't just signing. He was putting a contraption in there. So when he opened it, it was a fireball. Or does Scarlet Bordeaux have superpowers, <laughs> which we're all at a oh we're at a dangerous turning point now. <laughs> Once it gets established in WWE that a character has superpowers, things often get weird fast. Bray Wyatt as the latest example. Twice, <laughs> I guess. With the first is the court leader turned to. This guy can do any superpower, <laughs> as I guess, as Bray Wyatt. Suddenly, to and then with the Fiend as well. Uh, I guess it's a bit more tied with the Fiend, but still. But at that point now, Scott, well, maybe if she, her kiss was put, what put the fireball in it? I don't know. That's the way I was looking at it. What does this actually mean? For, are, are they actually super, people with superpowers? <laughs> Which I'm just like, that's not fair. <laughs> in a wrestling match but, uh, afterwards just praising the fact that Karrion uh, Cross isn't invincible he's just able to fight through pain with an extraordinary amount of temperament and then they do the fireball thing and I'm just uh, and like yeah yeah I kind of put that as main roster bollocks I've seen for some people it works like it completely caught them off guard and for them 
that was enough and it's like a devious thing. But for me, Karen Cross does not come out across as a character that needs that sort of thing. Like, does he necessarily need to do these tricks when we're seeing him just destroy people? Um, I guess unless it's part of the story where it feels like Keith Lee might be one of the guys that he does need tricks for. I don't know. They've put him so well to this point, this feels like a blip to me. Like, it's a thing that's happened, it's just not been thought through in terms of how it would work for the characters and the world and everything that's been set up before. It's a cool moment, but does it make sense? <laughs> Which was the case for WWE last year, 2019, when I stopped watching when they were doing just a lot of things. I was like, I'll wait for you to settle down. <laughs> but anyway, uh, after the break, we got Drake Maverick versus Killian Dane. Kind of, maybe, but not really. Yeah, also, with Drake Maverick and Killian Dane coming out, that's three of the four competitors from the UK. Uh, last week was NXT Australia, this week NXT UK. Uh, I'll be honest, it was hard to get into this after the fire contract. <laughs> uh, but immediately cutting to break didn't exactly help either, just investment, because pluck, just gone. <laughs> uh, then when we returned, we got like undisputed era running in, and we've got Keith Lee stuff as well. Um, just, yeah, the undisputed era ran in and quickly ended things, like quick and chopping both competitors down. It's like, oh, okay, uh, that's that then. Drake Maverick, he dove on Kenny and Dane at one point. Like, to the outside, if I'm right. Off the top turnbuckle. That's the only spot I remember. <laughs> I couldn't tell you anything else that happened in this match. It was, just like, it was like the least important thing that was happening. Yeah, afterwards, Adam Cole grabs the mic and riffs on Pac, Pac McAfee. <laughs> Pat McAfee. Uh, he dares him to show up next week to get in the ring and look him face to face and tell him, so he can tell him he's going to whoop his ass at TakeOver 30, that Pat McAfee is in way over his head. Uh, yeah, nice kind of continuation from last week after Adam Cole got his head kicked off by Pat McAfee. Uh, it's like, what can he do? It's the celebrity thing where the, like, one of the big issues with building a match with a celebrity with the week weekly format is that a lot of times he's just not going to be able to have them there to do the thing. So this is decent enough for that. It didn't take up too much time. And of course you get promos and things. So it, it works out. Uh, I'm not one of those people that's thinking negatively. I'm positively... Like, I'm looking forward to this. And it's something different for Adam Cole. And it shows how much trust they have in him. To give him... Pat Ma and to trust him to have a great match with Pat McAfee. On a TakeOver 30 like stage. Uh, in terms of like main roster for the future as well. Just to have this level of trust already. Yeah it's great. Uh, after this, we've got a Kushida promo. Uh, he says it's time for, for Kushida to taste gold. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Maybe not Kushida. Uh, next up was Tyler Breeze versus Cruiserweight Champion Santos Escobar. Uh, Escobar sends Wild and Phoenix. No, it's... Uh, no, that's not right. It's Wild and Mendoza. Uh, the reason I want that up was that at, where, at, the, at that point, after he sent them to the back, Mauro was saying their names. And I realise I keep calling the former Zima Ion Joaquin Phoenix. <laughs> and it's in my notes. I've referred to him as like Phoenix and Mendoza. It's like, no, he's not Joaquin Phoenix, the star of Her and Gladiator and many, many other things. It's like, no, it's Joaquin Wild. And I'm going to bloody remember it because <laughs> I can't keep mentioning Joaquin Phoenix. Uh, I guess I, okay, for the algorithm, <laughs> it's like a Irish name in on the tags. Uh, Tyler Breeze uh, got his attempts at offence, but Escobar had a lot of control in this match. Uh, talking trash while striking kicks. Uh, the model fought back. Uh, the champion was just able to ground him again so easily. Uh, then when Tyler was able to hit a proper string, uh, Wilder and Mendoza were immediately out to cause a distraction for their leader to capitalise upon. Uh, 
personally, it could it makes the faction again feel like this tight unit. Um, again, with devious plans and whatnot. And uh, I wouldn't mind Escobar kind of winning because he's because he's great. As in, just have it. It's something. It's, it's, again, because I just come back from New Japan. It's quite the Japan New Japan whiplash seems to happen. But it's that idea that the heel can win without the help of the faction. And I understand there's... like Bullet Club is an example of that not being the case. <laughs> but there are, again, other factions where they don't need the interference to win. And they start to value them as a performer. Uh, and I feel like Escobar is one of those guys where they could do that, like, legitimately. He could win a match because he's fantastic, even though he's got the people at ringside that you bring them out when he really needs it. Not in a match like this. Like, for a match like this, he could have been like essentially belittling Tyler Breeze just saying that you're so not worth my time I'm so above you that I'm not even going to have my goons come out of course it led to the brawl afterwards which is what is more leaning towards uh, after the match the one-armed Fandango snaps the head of a mop which is what badasses do uh, and attacks the trio uh, obviously losing out one-armed man against three men yeah, uh, but for but doing decent damage uh, for when Swerve ran out to even the odds, the babyfaces ended standing tall in the ring. Uh, Mauro pointing out that Swerve is the only man to have beaten Escobar in NXT, which is obviously important. Setting up, setting up their match as we slowly work towards it. Not sure if that's going to be happening at Takeover 30. Not seen it confirmed. Uh, it feels like a match that could happen on NXT itself. Like the mat, the card gets the kind of uh, just bloated enough. I say bloated enough. They get their six, and it gets solid enough that this match just be a little extra that's not really needed. Could record it for the live crowd for NXT the next week, but it's not necessarily needed on the show. Uh, VTR number one contender, Dakota Kai, uh, says she got to where she is today all on her own. Uh, typical heel stuff, and no need for friends or partners or insurance policies. At TakeOver next Sunday, she's figured out how to beat Io Shirai, and... We'll see how that goes for you. <laughs> uh, but I feel like Io Shirai's rebuttal was pretty, was way stronger. <laughs> Together, these two work, but Takeda Kai's by herself was, yeah, it was fine. Like, nothing awful. But it doesn't convince me you're going to win. It was a decent promo. Like, I learned about your character rather than being convinced you might actually win. If that makes sense. But I feel like the match itself would probably convince me one or two times at least. Uh, they're both fantastic enough to do it. Uh, Mia Yim versus Indy Hartwell. Miriam Yim somehow getting back from the hospital and for some reason is like desperately needed for this match against the, the rookie Indy Hartwell. It's like, like, she can be by her husband. Like, kayfabe-wise, she can be by her husband's side. Somebody, you can put somebody else over <laughs> against Indy Hartwell. Uh, before the match, Yim's interviewed by Blonde Lady. I'll learn her name eventually, I promise. <laughs> uh, I'm just bad with names. Uh, says Keith Lee's still in hospital, but she's got to focus on her match, so could you, like, Piss off? <laughs> what are you doing? Uh, Yim, in the match itself, uses her kicks to neutralise the Australian. Uh, the uh, weakly impressing Australian. I just want to just keep adding that again this week. Indy Hartwell looked great again. Uh, who herself, uh, she had her own decent counters and reversals, giving her a wee moment on top. Uh, it makes me feel like, like they really, really value Indy Hartwell and getting her all this experience at this moment is because of how highly they regard her. Potentially. Uh, there was an, uh, the ending was an awesome roll-through for Mia Yim, countering into locking both an arm and a leg, wrenching back the former and forcing the tap. The Blasian badass comes off strong in her mood of taking no nonsense. And 
yeah, moves on to the next thing, I guess. Are we going to get a Scarlet Madome in match? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> uh, Finn Balor VTR, who, with an interesting line of, doesn't matter if you're 18 or, 18 or 49, everybody wants to see Finn Balor. <laughs> a line which maybe works if the... Uh, it's, like, it's like the counter to the Demogod stuff. <laughs> like a bit more subtle, because of course... Jericho's just literally there screaming, I'm a demo god. <laughs> so, in terms of subtlety, <laughs> there's not, there's not much, uh, it, like, not much, uh, everything's going to be lower than that, <laughs> essentially. Finn Balor saying that line of, uh, uh, matter if you're 18 or 49, everybody wants to watch the prince. Uh, obviously, it's a line that makes sense in the world, even if you, know, you just don't look up the data to see if he's making sense. <laughs> just don't look up the data, just don't look into it, just don't look into it. Works in the world. It's fucked. Don't look into it. <laughs> don't look into what he's saying. Um, he also says whoever is left over after tonight will be easy pickings for Finn Balor next week. As we know, that's Velveteen Dream. We'll see how things go after that. Uh, then we've got a video of Triple H making the announcement for Pat McAfee versus Adam Cole on ESPN earlier in the week. Uh, given the audience they're going for with this match, that, for me, that's the perfect way to announce this thing. Like, no complaints, really. It's the audience they're going for with it. Be interested to see if it works. Uh, next up, Damien Priest versus Bronson Reed, which was set up in the parking lot last week. And nobody got attacked or hurt. They just had a bit of a tiff and they're like, shall we have a match this week? Yeah. Yeah, we'll have a match. <laughs> and yeah, that really... Good for you, NXT Car Park. <laughs> good for you, Full Sail. Uh, so uh, two big lads doing big lad wrestling. A gamesmanship trying to one-up each other. Damien Priest... Seemingly rotating through the air in like the size of space that he sh shouldn't be able to. The athleticism, yeah, is credible. Like both guys, way more athletic than you'd think a man their size would be able to do. That would make that. I changed my sentence halfway through. It didn't make sense. Uh, flying through the air with ease before suplexing their opponent overhead, also showcasing their strength. Uh, Reed missed the tsunami splash. Uh, Preed, Priest tried to capitalize, but the obviously put the big man on his back and quickly flips over on top to secure a sudden pin. The rise of the thick boy continues. Uh, I guess we've had uh, Priest kind of showcases before. So, uh, and he's not had his massive breakout moment, but he's had like big matches like Finn Balor at Great American Bash. And this is like Bronson Reed kind of getting his climb, you know, which is kind of a useful turn of phrase for the climb he's going to be doing at the ladders. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, Io Shirai VTR. Really enjoyed this. Her promos have been amazing since she's become champion. I really, really rate them. Loved the water one. Loved this one here tonight. Uh, she says she's received her message. Uh, calls Dakota a manipulator. and uh, Shows all the times that she's done it over the past. And says like to her, she, she remembers her as the girl who was terrified of Shayna Baszler. Next Sunday, she should be terrified of her. And she's pissed her off. Ooh. <laughs> uh, it was ever since they did that, the underwater kind of recording things, and since then they've had done the voiceover for the VTRs. For me, since then, it's really worked. And in this one, they put in a little bit more of cutting to Io herself, saying directly to camera some of the lines. And when she said she's pissed off, she said it in English, because that's another thing I like as well. She's Japanese. That doesn't mean you have to deliver every single line that's on the TV in English. And I feel like switching between Japanese and English really, really works for the Eoshirai character. And her at the end, it kind of was that final nail I was in. Like you've, 
you've pissed me off so much. I'm going to say it so you 100% understand. Like, you have pissed me off just directly to camera. I really enjoyed it. <laughs> great, great promo from Io Shirai. Especially fantastic counter to the Dakota Kai promo. And gets you excited for TakeOver. I mean, I'm still feeling like Io's going to win. And that's not really... I mean, it's not that I want her to win. <laughs> uh, but, um, yeah, they're doing a decent job. I'm excited for the match, even if I feel like the winner might be a bit, bit predictable. But predictable isn't always bad. And this might be one of those fantastic examples. Uh, Cameron Grimes, VTR. I did not say his name. My voice is going... He's such a cartoon stuff, boy. <laughs> it's Cameron Grimes' time. <laughs> and speaking of time, Kushida, I got no time for you. <laughs> oh. He said it just like that. <laughs> to me, that's exactly what he sounded like. Um, yeah. For me, he's perfect for the main roster because his character suits crap lines so well. And that was a crap line. It's like, it's Cameron Grimes' time. And speaking of time, Kushida, I got no time for you. <laughs> like, that's not a good line. But it works so well in A, in Cameron Grimes' accent and delivery. <laughs> and just B, for his character... Like, he, his character would say crap lines. And it's like, he is tailored for the main roster. <laughs> Does not matter what they throw at him in terms of the dialogue. It will fit his character. Because he says crap lines. <laughs> and he thinks they're great. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, next up we've got Aaliyah and Mercedes Martinez. Joined by Robert Stone versus Katie Catanzaro and Caden Carter uh, in a tag match. Uh, this was a nice little showcase of the chemistry between Aaliyah and Mercedes Martinez, even if that chemistry is the badass and the smaller person next to them going, hey, like the UK and America. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, massive just insult to my own country, <laughs> especially one that maybe doesn't make sense currently. Uh, it's politically a decade old, but still. <laughs> oh, anyway, that gag's not in my notes. Did not mean, did, it, was an, it was unnecessary, <laughs> completely unnecessary. Uh, before the match, Robert Stone Ace offers Casey Catanzaro a place in the Robert Stone brand. Uh, says she's got all the potential. She's just hanging out with the wrong people. Uh, you need to lose the loser. Um, pointing, obviously, at... Uh, who's a partner? Caden Carter. God, I'm tired. <laughs> uh, Carter kicks him in the shin. Good on you. <laughs> uh, some decent tag offense from Aaliyah Martinez. The latter obviously built as the toughest competitor in the ring, uh, winning out in the end with the air raid crash and angrily forcing the chirpy in victory Aaliyah off her. <laughs> and Aaliyah as well, like, she was... The amount of different kind of pins she was trying to... Like, Mercedes Martinez would hit a move, big move, or Aaliyah would hit, like, one final move after uh, Mercedes Martinez has done a big thing, and then Aaliyah would try and score the pin. And she had so many different ways. Like, I don't know if I've, I've seen such a short tag match where... With such a variety of pins. <laughs> like, Aaliyah just... It seemingly it came across as an attempt to try and keep the opponent down as every single time she tried something new. It just, it's like, yeah, that was entertaining. When Mercedes Martinez would do something, then Aaliyah would jump in. like, well, will this one work? <laughs> it's like that. Uh, after the celebration, uh, Rhea Ripley's music hits. Uh, a tad of a stare down, down the ramp. But eventually the LG charges the ring. Uh, the numbers game catching up. But Martinez throws Aaliyah off her because Aaliyah was kind of holding Martinez back for a second. And she just charges at Ripley again, which is when Shotzi Blackheart came out to even the odds. And we have our tag match set up, assumably for next week. Can't remember if he got definitely announced, but it feels like a nice little kind of swing. And this match showed off the chemistry between Mercedes Martinez and Aaliyah. Like, this could even be like a takeover. 
may, I don't know, take over for me is uh, Mercedes Martinez versus Ripley, but if you want to hold it off, it's take over 30. You don't hold it off for take over 30. <laughs> I'm convincing myself out of it. Uh, next up was a, a promo from the Gargano family enjoying their evening at home. I love this. <laughs> uh, Candice was cutting a, she was reading a story to her dog, and then she would just cut to camera and just talk about the just the pixie being underestimated and the like you just don't ignore the pixie stuff and um, I may I should have written down what she said. <laughs> it turns out one AM, can't remember it. But and then he cuts back uh, to and Johnny Gargano's like, What what story are you reading to the dog? Like, oh just no normal normal story, just normal story to the dog. <laughs> so yeah, cutting promos at a dog, yeah. Uh, you're gonna get over. Uh, Johnny is uh, a top of ladder fixing a light bulb because he's a man in the house. Yeah, you gotta gotta fix the light bulb, Johnny. Good, good, good husband. Good husband, Johnny Gargano is. Uh, he cuts a promo at the top of the ladder, switching between their lovely suburban household and then the direct-to-camera distorted promos. Uh, of course, the main part being he's on the top of a ladder, uh, and it's a natural in-home reason to be on top of the ladder. I thought that was quite good, but it also it clearly feels like they're delivering a message as well, especially as you also know it is like the set home. After the NXT Great American Bash, let's keep it there. With Doc Hendricks on the wall and everything, minor gripe. Uh, the ladder, so they did the whole thing with the ladder and then they walk up afterwards. And for the promo, it makes all the sense in the world to keep the ladder there because that's a kind of, you focus on that at the end because they're trying, you're trying to qualify for the ladder match. It makes sense, it works in that way. Uh, but as a going to bed thing, <laughs> it irritated me. <laughs> he finished his job, his DIY job, then didn't put away the ladder. Well, oh. <laughs> oh. as somebody who, as soon as I finished the job, I immediately put away the ladder just in case my clumsy ass trips over it. <laughs> or the, like they put that, left it at the bottom of the stairs. <laughs> the madman left his ladder wide open in the A at the bottom of the stairs. Like, like what if you get up in the middle of the night for a drink or a wee? And and I mean, you're rich. You probably have an upstairs toilet, but still, if you get down, come downstairs for a drink of water and. Or some food, and you forget the ladder's there because it's 3 a.m. Oh, Johnny, just put the ladder away. <laughs> you seem to have enough energy. You were chirpy after cutting the promo. <laughs> put the ladder away. Uh, minor gripe. <laughs> Pretty minor gripe, but still. Uh, it made me laugh as that was my reaction to the promo afterwards. But put the ladder away, Johnny. <laughs> You'll trip over it in the morning. Um, Thatch as Thatch can, lesson two. It was like a massive string of announcements and things. Uh, a uh, nice little touch here. He's teaching him the boss and crab that he then lent back into with the ankle lock type of thing that he was doing on Finn Balor when he then got caught by Dexter Loomis and choked out. Like He didn't win with it, but he was explaining the hold in class. And the little touch, was like, I was assuming this would have been more noticed, but like a little touch uh, in the thing was the student that he was uh, demonstrating the hold on, he was wearing a Finn Balor shirt. So... Like it's a nice little touch as he's teaching the hold on a man who's wearing the shirt. Like he's causing pain to a person in Finn Balor's shirt, like getting his revenge kind of thing, or just or just kind of recreating the scenario to that exact T. Like yeah, a nice little detail. Uh, I kind of enjoyed, and it's a little, that is, I feel like I should point these out with NXT because I'm holding holding them up to like an additional bar and to kind of point out why little character details like that, which don't get picked up on, don't get pointed out. But if you're paying attention, you'll notice a little character trait there. And it's not the type of thing of, oh, do you remember this years ago and now I'm bringing it back because we're trying to make it look like we're doing long-form story, long storytelling. Like, no, 
They're actively doing it week to week with purpose. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I like that. And uh, that was the kind of final thing on the show. I've already talked about the main event with the North American Championship and the, I'll call it controversy, but that kind of doesn't quite, that's not, that word doesn't fit for me really. Like calling him a controversial star. Like, no, he's an accused paedophile. Controversy. Oh, it's a bit... <laughs> that really... I shouldn't have like probably giggled there, but I was trying to sell the... Uh, just that. It's quite a serious accusation and to go to Radio Silent to call him controversial. We called John Cena controversial. This isn't really controversial. It's a bit more than that. Uh, anyway, so... Uh, we've got announcements for next week, which is probably a half-decent half way to uh, end the show. Uh, next week, we've got two second-chance qualifying matches, or as I call them, the second-chance qualifier qualifiers, because there's a final... It's two semi-final matches, and then a qualif- uh, final qualifier. Oh, I've said that word a lot. Uh, so the matches are Johnny Gargano versus Ridge Holland, and Finn Balor versus the mystery man who was Velveteen Dream, and it's uh, all about the... Guy who did not get pinned or submitted or lost or whatever in their match. And those are the four guys. So there we go. Uh, one more spot to fill. Who's it going to be? I mean, they can't change the finish. My assumption is they'll have Velveteen Dream win Finn Balor. Ha- win Finn Balor? You know what, I mean, what I'm trying to say? And then you have Gargano versus Dream. But Dream is not going to be the face. Oh, he turned heel, didn't he? Like, everyone, all four of these guys are heels. That's actually quite interesting. I mean, Rich Holland's kind of in... Nothing, he's just Big Ladder did stuff, but it's WWE, Big Ladder does the big moves, will often feel like a heel. Just the way that he wrestles, and I swear in NXT UK I've seen the odd clip of him presented and I thought he was a heel. Uh, again, I've no time for NXT UK. I don't mean that in a, oh, I've got no time for you, you suck. No, I mean no time as in literally, <laughs> I could not fit it in. I was struggling before it kind of got into the current format, Ah, but still. Anyway, uh, I can see in the video I'm leaning forward quite a bit, which tells me I'm getting a bit hot and sweaty. <laughs> so uh, I'm going to end up there. I've gone close to an hour. The NXT shows rarely get that long, which probably tells you uh, of the stuff to talk about. So it wasn't just like the ending of the match, which got people negatively talking, uh, which I feel like it was a serious topic to address. Um, then the match, the show itself had a lot happen on it. I said like the first thing on the show was Keith Lee getting a fireball in the face. <laughs> Like, yeah, this show had stuff happening. <laughs> there were things going on. Um, but yeah, en- enjoyed the show. It's just the la- the final note as you left was Velveteen Dream, which kind of sours and overshadows the rest of it. Uh, again, not a massive fan of the fireball thing. Not a massive... Um, I'm a bit concerned of where that final competitor is going for the ladder match. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Anyway, I'll be back on Monday, and I'm pretty certain I've booked a guest. For next Monday again at 1am. I'm struggling to remember definitely, uh, but I'll be back uh, on at uh, 8 EST on Monday, so uh, one hour later than normal. Uh, the guest is American, just to make sure we can get stuff. So, yeah, people have got like obligations, such as like jobs and things. So uh, as a UK person, kind of make I'm willingly a good to go later in the night, just so I'm not really irritating <laughs> like the people's schedules. Uh, anyway. Yeah, thank you for listening and watching. Well, you can follow me on Twitter at the Damn Implicat. Get all your wrestling news from WrestlingHeadlines.com. Uh, go to, there's a link to Red Circle, which is where all the podcasts go. We've got podcast exclusive shows like the WWF the Legacy series and the new Maple Leaf history, um, going over the history of like Canadian wrestling. Uh, they're exclusive to the podcast world. We've also got Kingdom of Honor, All Night Wrestling podcast, Quick and Painless, and uh, AW. 
uh, Dynamite After Dark, all here on the YouTube channel as well. Uh, and with that, I bid you adieu. Uh, goodbye. That's it. <laughs> oh, I, I maybe, what do you think? Uh, I guess in terms of like talking about the Bumpy Dream stuff, talking about the show itself, uh, the Fireball. Do people like the Fireball? Uh, are you still are you excited for Takeover Thirty? Feel like that's, that's the big thing. After this show, are you still looking forward to the pay per view? Has it had, did NXT do its job and get you excited for the pay per view? If so, let me know. Comments, whatever. Like the uh, podcast people, five stars and stuff. I'm signing off now. Goodbye. <laughs> adios. I need to say goodnight. All right. Adios. Goodbye. Ten.